Good morning again. My name is John Keeley. Uh, welcome to Sacred Space here in West Limit 102. Um, again, I'm off on my travels again. Uh, this time I'm in Norfolk in, in the UK uh, in a lovely place called Norwich. And uh, I happened to come across a shrine uh, which people might have heard about, um, the shrine of Julian of Norwich. And I'm joined today by Father Martin Smith. And uh, Father Martin here is going to fill us in with some of the history and the settings, etc., etc., of Julian Norris. So, uh, Father Martin, good morning. Good morning. And thank you very much indeed for joining us. Uh, you're speaking out to the people in West Limerick, uh, in, uh, in the southwest of Ireland, some of whom might have heard of Julian Norwich. Well, I feel confident you're going to fill us in anyway in any little details we don't know. I'll do my best. Maybe just start enough, Father. Um, Julian of Norwich, when, when was she about and, and what's she all about? Well, we know almost nothing about her except from what we can get from her writings. We first hear of her in about 1373. She was a very holy woman, um, a young girl of about 30, okay. and she prayed that she might have a near-death experience because she believed the closest you could get to God in this life was at the moment of death. So she wanted to try and experience that. And on the 8th of May, 1373, she was terribly ill and they sent for the priest and gave her the last rites. Mm -hmm. The family said their farewells. She went to bed and nobody expected to see her in the morning. Mm. Alive, that is. Yes. But during the course of the night, she had 15, 16 visions. And these were visions given her by God. And um, they were based on the passion and death of Jesus. And in these visions, God showed her how much he loved the world and his creation. How much he loved the people on earth. And he loved them so much that he gave his son to die on the cross to save them. And this is how Jesus showed the depth of his love for those people. Well, after that, she decided that she really had to give her life totally to God. Mm -hmm. um, Norwich in those days was actually the second most important city in England after London. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to believe it now because it's like a, a country town. Yes. Really. But it was, in those days it was really busy mm -hmm. and there were 53 medieval churches in the city. Wow. It was really wealthy and in those days if you wanted to show your wealth um, you built a church. So the place is littered with churches, and every religious community had a house in the church, in, in the city. Yes. So Julian could have become a nun, and there was a really big Benedictine abbey just around the corner mm -hmm. from here mm -hmm. called Carrow Abbey, yes. which is now the site of Norwich City football ground. Uh, so she oh, could have yes. become... Okay. You've heard of that? Yes, I have, yeah. The Canaries. Yeah. The Canaries, that's, that's it. The, the, the guys in yellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So she could have become a nun. Okay. But um, in medieval England, there was something else that women were able to do, and that was to become what was called an anchoress. Okay. Now, an anchoress was a sort of hermit. Um, when we talk of hermits, we usually think of them going off into the desert, into forests and yeah. mountains, mm -hmm. to get away from it all. Mm -hmm. They felt they could get closer to God by having no contact with the world. Mm -hmm. Well, an anchoress was a bit different. Although they lived a solitary life, 
It was not shut away from the world, but wham-bang in the middle of it. Okay. And nearly all of these medieval churches in Norwich had a room or a cell attached to them where an anchoress could go and live. And it just so happened that the cell attached to this church, which is dedicated to St. Julian, Bishop of Le Mans in France, where the 24-hour car race now takes place. Okay. Um, the cell here was vacant, and this girl, whose name we don't know, came here and took residence in the cell and took her name from the saint of the church. Mm -hmm. um, and um, she became known as Mother Julian, the Lady Julian, or Dame Julian. Okay. 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 Um, she lived here for about 40 years, and um, she, when she died, um, she, she lived to about 70 years old, which is incredibly old for a woman in those days, when the average life of a woman was about 45. Mm -hmm. um, that's if they survived everything that was happening in England in those times, like the Black Death. Yes. So, yeah. she, so she, she lived to, um, to 70. Um, after she died, we hear very, very little of her at all. Um, the cell where she lived, the room where she lived, mm -hmm. um, didn't belong to the parish. It belonged to Carrow Abbey. And when Henry VIII started to do his worst mm -hmm. in 1535, mm -hmm. he pulled down the cell because it was a dependency of the Benedictine Abbey. And so there was nothing on the site of the cell there where Julian lived. And I believe, sorry, excuse me, no further, but I believe the cell had three windows, is that right? The cell had three windows. It was part of the anchoress's rule. Okay. She had three windows. One, so that she could look into church and see and hear the Mass being celebrated each day mm -hmm. and receive Holy Communion. Mm -hmm. The second window, looking out to a servant's quarters because she had some maid to look after her, to okay. do the chores, right. okay. do the washing up and the cleaning and what mm -hmm. have you. And another window looking out to the street, because this is where the anchoress came into her own, because, as I said before, her life was not separated from the world, but mm. anchored mm. in it. Mm. And mm. to this third window, locals could come and seek her advice. And um, in those days, one didn't often talk to the parish clergy no. seeking advice because they were far, far too grand to talk to ordinary people. <laughs> yeah. um, they're not nice and attractive and yeah. easygoing like what we are now. Um, of course. <laughs> um, but at the dear yeah. Lady Julian, you see, yes, there was somebody yes. you could easily go to and took or complain about your husband getting drunk each uh, night yes. and what have you. So Julian was very important for the local people. They okay. could come and seek her spiritual advice. Mm -mm. And you mentioned, did you mention that she wrote a book? There wouldn't be too many women that would have written books, I would imagine. In well, it was the first book to be written by a woman in English. Wow. And, um, and it is a beautiful book. And she, she explains these visions that she had. Mm. And she's writing the book for ordinary people, not for theologians. Yes, okay. It's, 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 it's That's local. Good. That's good. She, That's good. That's good. And, and, and some of her famous river sayings, I mean, one I think was, All shall be well? Yes, she says that all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. 
which is part of our great Christian hope, of course, that mm. we might go through all mm. sorts of nasty things in this life, but we live in the hope that mm. when we get to heaven eventually, we know all shall be well. Beautiful thought. But of course all things must come to an end and, and, and she passed away. Did the, did, the, did the shrine, for want of a better word, still stay in existence until maybe Henry VIII, I think you just yep, touched on there? Yeah, there were anchoresses in the cell before Julian okay. and after. Okay. But it all came to an end in about 1530 okay. when Henry VIII started. Okay, and then what happened then with the Julian of Norwich message? Was that then suppressed for a number of years? I think it was almost totally forgotten. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, um, the church just continued to exist. Uh, nobody really knew anything of her writings, really, until the 19th century okay. when a manuscript was found um, and people started to read them and discover how full of good stuff they were, and how they could be very helpful to people. Mm -hmm. uh, do they recognise uh, her day, by the way? Is it the 8th of May, Father? 8th of May was the day she had her vision. Okay, so people still remember that particular... We have a festival here on the 8th of May, when we have a, a lecture given by somebody very erudite and clever. That's a big word. But That's anyway. a very clever. It means mm. very, very clever. Thank you very it much. It means that I it. don't understand a word of it. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. a very clever lecture. Okay. And we have a lovely mass yeah. and we finish up with benediction of the Blessed Sacrament, which makes a nice end to the day. Okay, so obviously uh, from the 19th century on then, so um, this site then began to develop a little bit further to where it is today. Well, no, it didn't, no? Okay. really. Um, the, the, the devotion to Julian didn't really catch on. Perhaps you can ask me in a moment why. Okay. Um, but uh, what happened uh, to, to this place mm -hmm. was that there was a very big air raid over Norwich in 1942. Okay. And this church here was almost totally demolished, except for the altar and the tabernacle and the Riridos that was carved in Oberammergau. As I said okay, earlier okay. on, there were so many churches in Norwich yeah, that yeah, this, yeah. this one was a bye-bye, no real need to, yes, yes. to have another one and have yes. a party instead, one yes. church less. Yes. But the message of Julian had caught on after the war okay. and it was decided to rebuild this church in, as a sort of shrine church to Julian of Norwich, but still dedicated to St Julian, Bishop of Le Mans. Okay. And um, in 1953, the church was rededicated. And that's really when the um, Julian devotion started here. Okay. Now, this, uh, this is an Anglican church. This is an Anglican church. Yes, there is a lot of devotion within the Catholic tradition and the Anglican tradition, but obviously this message has spread throughout Christianity. It has. I was inside the church there today and I just happened to notice in the visitor book people from the USA, people from yep. the Philippines. Yep. Uh, well, Julian was a Roman Catholic, of course, because mm. there's only one church in England. That's right, yeah. And we pray that there soon will be we'll only one God. church yes. in England. Yes, we'll help uh, God, yes. And uh, it was very important, it's very important that this place is ecumenical, it's run by Anglicans, but it is ecumenical and people of all Christian denominations are welcome to mm. come here. But when we do anything, it's yes. done in the Catholic tradition of the Church of England, because that's what we are. 
And I just happened to witness that um, just not too far from here um, in uh, Walshingham yesterday, and I was so surprised about of the similarity between the both traditions. Mm. Um, the, the Angelus was recited at six o'clock and then immediately followed by the Rosary. Yeah. And the session's the same. We have the Rosary here on a Monday morning after Mass. We have Mass at 10, mm -hmm. followed by the Rosary, um, led by lay people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Mm -hmm. All that's good we do. All this good we do, and very well too. And of course, I must compliment you on the website. Um, oh, that's you. that's how I've just ended up being here because I just typed in Julian of Niles, wondering what I'd come up with, and um, very comprehensive, to, even down to the fact that even your weekly newsletter is on. The, and I did notice a, a few little snippets from it, and I saw your photograph and so on and so forth. Very good. Um, you do have uh, maybe, an, do you have an association or, or friends of Julian of Norwich? There's an organisation called the Friends of Julian of Norwich, okay. which is separate from the shrine. Okay. Um, it, they run a centre next door, which is a, a library, um, a souvenir shop, mm -hmm. and um, a, a place where we try and hold every piece of writing on Julian. Mm -hmm. And I suppose uh, the message maybe the people would want to know back home, and maybe I'd like to know now, what message do you think Julian was bringing to us? Uh, she had certain revelations herself from the Lord, right? So uh, she wanted, to, obviously, to transmit them to us, and that's why she wrote them then in a book, I assume. Yeah. Her, her, basic, her basic teaching mm -hmm. is that um, God is perfect love, okay. and his love is unconditional. It doesn't require us to do anything in order to yes. have that love. Mm. It's there, and all we have to do is to accept it for ourselves. doesn't matter what we're like, who we are, what we've done. That love is there, open, it's, isn't it? It's like Jesus on the cross with his arms out. Yes. He's welcoming mm. everybody mm. that chooses to come to him. Mm. 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 Maybe just to finish up uh, the interview, Father, I, I believe there's a St. Julian of Norwich prayer. Is that right? Would we, could we finish up with that? There is. Before, but before that... Can I just tell you okay. why she's not a saint? Tell me that. Because people get very confused okay. with St. Julian, who's that chap up there above the sacristy door, okay. and Mother Julian, or the Lady Julian, or okay. Dame Julian okay. of Norwich. Okay. Now, I think there are three reasons okay. why she's never been canonised. The first is that she says that there is no anger in God. That if God is perfect love, there is no place for God to be wrathful and vengeful okay. and angry. Okay. And of course, if you read your Old Testament... God goes a smiting every day. He does, yes, Anybody yes. who doesn't do what they're told gets... Yes, yes, that's it. <laughs> that's it. So yeah. that's slightly different from traditional teaching. Okay. She also says that we don't have to ask God for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Now, that might seem a bit strange, um, particularly for people in the Catholic Anglican tradition, because nearly every time we go to a service we have a confession of yes, sorts, yes. an act of penitence, mm -hmm. and we're encouraged in our traditions to go to confession. Mm -hmm. um, she's, she, she went to confession, um, but she says we don't have to do all this because we are a forgiven people. Mm -hmm. But God has already forgiven us through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, it's a bit of a nonsense. It's totally unnecessary mm -hmm. to say, please God, forgive me, because I am yeah. forgiven. Yes, yes, yes. And the third reason why she probably hasn't been canonised is that she does talk sometimes about God in the feminine gender. Oh, I see, she okay. She talks about God as our mother. Okay. Now, that seems to me perfectly okay, because if God is perfect love, then all the sorts of love we know and experience must be included in God. Yes, God shows us a father's love. Uh -huh. God must also show us a mother's love, which is different from a father's love, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is different from our best friend's love, okay. which is yeah. different from our brother and sister's love, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is different from our husband and wife's love. Yes, yes. All yes. these loves must be included in the Godhead mm. if God is perfect love. Mm. So she says that sometimes when we have to talk about God as loving us like a mother does. Mm -hmm. Mm. But she does go one stage further. Okay. In that sometimes she talks about Jesus in the feminine gender uh, as our mother. Okay. And now that does sound yeah, a bit yeah, wobbly, yeah, doesn't it? Does, it, it, it does, it does. But let me it's tell you sideways how, she, how she does it. <laughs> Okay. What she says is that our earthly mother feeds us with a little bit of herself for a little bit of our life. Okay. When we're babies, she gives us milk from her breast. Mm -hmm. She says that Jesus feeds us with the whole of himself for the whole of our life in the Blessed Sacraments. Mm -hmm. And so if we call that earthly woman who feeds us with a little bit of herself for a little bit of our life, our mother, then Jesus, who feeds us with the whole of himself for the whole of our life, must be our true mother. Yeah. <laughs> but she's not saying that Jesus is feminine, and when she does this sort of thing, she always then follows it up with the male pronoun. Okay. That okay. Jesus, our true mother, feeds us with himself yeah, okay. and does so most courteously in the Blessed Sacrament, the precious food of all true life. Isn't that beautiful? It is. But one can understand then maybe why. You can understand uh, why. I can, I can. I think that some people have a problem with that. <laughs> the Julian Prayer. The, the Julian Prayer. Please, Father, just to finish okay. up. Thank you. Most Holy Lord, the ground of our beseeching who through your servant Julian showed the depth of your love. Grant that as we are created in your nature and restored by your grace, our wills may be so made one with yours that we may come to see you face to face and gaze on you forever. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you very much indeed for your time um, taken to record the story, uh, the story for us here on West Limit 102 and Sacred Space, which we hope to play sometime later on during the year. We wish you best, uh, you all the best with your centre here, your website, of course, your continued success, but more especially, I suppose, for providing this, pay, uh, this place for people where they can come and rest and relax and get some peace. Thank you again. My pleasure and every blessing to your listeners and your radio station. Thank you very much indeed. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.